I hope you can feel it when you're singing how beautiful you look and how beautiful you sound and this rhythm that's moving through all of us. It's fantastic. Have to admit, I love it when we put down the books and we can see each other's faces. So thank you for this incredible gift. What we're doing, as, as Ruth said, what we're doing when we sing together in this way is we are literally embodying the truth of our faith that each and every one of us matter and has a part to play, that we don't have to be perfect to be included and to bring our gifts. We can sit back and receive in the moments that we need to. This deep truth that we are, in fact, interconnected with one another in our bodies and spirits and souls, so it is good to be singing in this way together. We are reanimating ourselves when we do this, when we do it here, but also I can imagine that each of you, like me, has moments when you're rocking out in the kitchen with the music cranked up or in the, on your headphones or wherever, and this music has a way of bringing us strength and new life and reminding us that we are not alone. We are in this together from past to present to future. So thank you for this gift. We are wrestling with joy this month here at First Universalist, that's our worship topic, and we are wrestling indeed because there are joyful things and there are very difficult things that are happening in our world today. And I've found myself, as we've approached this topic, going back over and over to the story of Jacob wrestling the angel. Some of you might know this story. It is in many ways an archetypal story that is told across generations with different character names and slightly different details, but always the same basic story. And the way I'm going to tell it today, it goes like this. To think that Jacob had a complicated relationship with his family, to say that his family was even just a little dysfunctional is kind of a Minnesota understatement. <laughs> this family was deeply troubled. And on the night when the story takes place, Jacob is coming back to his hometown. He's been estranged from his family and especially from his brother for 20 years. He's been living in exile because he stole from his brother the inheritance of his family and the blessing of his father. So on this particular night, Jacob has decided to go back home after 20 years away to meet with his brother Esau and to see if they can mend things. Now, Jacob is making his way with his family and all of his possessions out into the desert, and he knows that Esau is going to come and meet him there. And he knows, too, that Esau isn't coming alone. He's coming with an army. So Jacob is troubled, understandably, and he is thinking and plotting and trying to figure out, how can I make this reunion go as well as it possibly can? How can I keep from being slaughtered and all of my family and all my possessions, too? So he thinks and he thinks and he sends gift after gift after gift ahead to his brother, hoping that will soften his heart. He divides his family and his possessions into different places in the desert so that if his brother does attack, he won't lose everything and everyone. And there it is. The night is falling and Jacob leaves his family and all that he owns and he wanders off alone out into the desert into his own dark night of the soul. And Fear and worry are there with him, and eventually he falls asleep, but he wakes up there in the night to a hand on his shoulder. And it is a stranger who engages Jacob in this wrestling match, this intense wrestling match that does not stop, neither will let go, neither is winning. And as the dawn is about to break, the stranger says to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, no, I will not let you go. I will have a blessing from you. 
And then the stranger strikes Jacob in his hip and dislocates his hip and injures him permanently. But he does give the blessing that Jacob demanded. The stranger asks Jacob, what is your name? And he replies, it is Jacob. And the stranger says, that is not your name anymore. You are now going to be known as Israel, the wrestler with God. Jacob has demanded this blessing. He's out there in this dark night of the soul, and I would venture to say as he's out there, he has made this decision, this decision to, as the poet would say, eat the cookie that's on his plate, no matter how scary and challenging that is. He's decided not to stay in some field in Tennessee, but instead to go home, to face his brother, to face what he's done, and to make amends the best way that he can. So when Jacob finally meets his brother the next morning, he is, of course, exhausted from his wrestling match with the stranger, but he is also filled with clarity and a sense of purpose and a deep faith. He trusts after this wrestling match, after he has been named wrestler with God, he absolutely trusts that he can and he will and he must do the next right thing, whatever the consequences might be. He limps toward his brother ready to repair not just that relationship, that singular relationship in his family, but also ready to repair his own soul, ready to repair his community. He has wrestled a blessing out of this suffering, and the blessing is not just for him, but for all who are near him. This is what happens for each of us when we choose to do that difficult wrestling, when we demand the blessing. It comes not just for us, but for our community as well. Now, this story has always resonated with me, and I know I'm not alone in this. There are folks who have been writing about it for years and years and years. Religious scholars, philosophers, psychologists all take up this story of Jacob wrestling the angel. I think it's because all of us face that dark night of the soul in our lives at some point. Sometimes it comes more than one time. All of us are wounded at points by someone or something. All of us are dealing with difficulties. Sometimes they're our own. Sometimes there are mistakes that we have made, sometimes horrible mistakes, that we have to live with and own up to, to tell the truth about and do our best to make things right. All of us suffer and wrestle. That is the universal truth of the story of Jacob and the angel. But the part that is not so universal is the blessing, demanding a blessing from the suffering. This is the part of the story that absolutely fascinates me. Is it possible if we are wrestling with our suffering, with our pain, with the things that have happened to us or to those that we love, is it possible to wrestle, to demand, and to receive a blessing out of that pain? I think that sometimes it is. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a column in the Weekly Liberal about suffering and the problem of pain. I talked about the shooting that happened at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and the pain that is coming out of that, the suffering, but also the joy, the hope, the possibility and pride that I feel and I know that you do too, as we watch the students from that school and students around the country take the lead in pushing for change in our gun control laws. These students are literally demanding a blessing out of the tragedy. They are refusing to let go of the pain they have experienced out of the trauma and the loss they are demanding a blessing, not just for themselves, but a change and a blessing for the whole community. 
They are taking their suffering and they are making out of it usefulness. And this brought back to me the concept that C.S. Lewis has written about, about useless suffering and useful suffering. Useless suffering is the kind of suffering that just leads to more pain. Maybe useless suffering is the kind that just brings up feelings of shame and regret, feelings of guilt, but it doesn't lead to any changed behavior. Useful suffering, on the other hand, is the kind of suffering that we work with and turn and do the hard spiritual work of alchemy with, of turning garbage into growth. It isn't all the kinds of suffering that are out there, but it is possible, one kind, useful suffering. I've heard psychologists recently talk about this as post-traumatic growth. It's the positive change that can occur when we wrestle with the experiences we've had, with all that we've inherited, the good and the bad. It's the dark night of the soul when we decide we're going to eat this cookie that's on our plate rather than searching for the one that's off in Tennessee. Useful suffering can come out of, can be made out of these difficult moments when we wrestle and demand a blessing. Now, I've watched many of you do this, and I've watched many of our students who are about this work too. And I think it is critical to remember that any, any blessing that we demand has to be for more than just ourselves, but for the entire community. I've been thinking about this this past week as I've been reading the memoir written by Patrice Kahn Coolers, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. In her memoir, she describes the events of her own individual life as well as the formative experiences and incidents that shape the culture that she and her family have come up in. She talks about how these incidents and experiences, this culture of white supremacy that we all live in, how it has formed the basis of the civil rights movement of our times. In particular, Patrice writes about watching her father and her stepfather, her mother and her disabled brother. She talks about the injustices she has watched them endure each of them striving in their own way with all of their might to do the right thing, each of them working and working and working and still being picked up by the police for standing outside while black, her younger or her older brother rather, experiencing torture and imprisonment as the treatment for his mental illness as a teenager. Throughout the book, the pain and suffering that Patrice and her family have experienced is absolutely palpable and you can feel her wrestling wrestling with the experiences that she and her family have faced, the suffering they've endured, all of this difficulty that has come their way just because of the color of their skin and the system that we live in that says some are valuable and some are not. In her writing, I can hear Patrice pushing back against the individualistic solution that requires people who are oppressed, people who are in pain, to summon some sort of superhuman willpower and self-control and skill that will allow them to move up to even the lowest rung of the ladder of, that society has set out for them. In her writing and in her actions and her building of this movement, Patrice is wrestling the angel, and she is absolutely demanding a blessing. With the formation of the Black Lives Matter movement, Patrice and her peers are asserting their worth and dignity, the worth and dignity of their families and friends, their ancestors and children. They are saying that the way things have been is simply not okay and cannot continue, and it can't be up to only the individual to fight and find their way out of this system. It has to be up to us, 
the larger us, the communal us, the each of us with a part to play us, all of us wrestling with the truth of what our nation is, what it's been, and where it is and where it's going, all of us wrestling and demanding a blessing, not just for ourselves, but for everyone. This is the dark night of the soul that I think we are in in many ways as we look at the cookie that is on our plate and say, here it is. What am I going to do with this? There is so much suffering and pain in this world, and it is difficult to let it in. But I believe that if we demand a blessing, as Patrice and her peers are doing, as our students are doing, as so many of us are doing in our own individual lives with the repair work of our souls and our families and our community, if we are doing that work, the blessing will come not just for us, but for our entire community for generations to come. And I know that here in this day when we're wrestling with joy, I've talked a lot about hard things. So I want to reflect a moment on the joy that comes with this kind of wrestling. I don't know if this is the way it is for you, but for me, when I am there with folks, when I get to witness the holy work, the struggles that they are encountering, and the ways they show up for it, wrestling honestly with who they are and what they've experienced and trying to make meaning out of it, demanding a blessing, I feel incredible joy. To watch people come into their own, to know themselves as whole and holy and worthy, to know themselves as worthy of dignity, to be the people that we are born to be. When I see people recovering, when I see a whole group of people recovering and owning their voice and their power, there is no greater joy for me. When I see us as individuals, when I know for myself the next right thing that I have to do, as hard as it is, and I move forward and do it anyway, despite the consequences, I feel a sense of clarity and purpose and power that is like no other. It is a deep and abiding joy, a sustaining joy. So I want to tell you that in this community where we are wrestling with joy, in this community, we invite you to bring all of yourselves here, everything. I know you've heard us ask you for your financial contributions and to be all in with our annual giving campaign, and that is absolutely important and critical. And I want you to hear us inviting you in, bringing not just your gifts here, but all of yourselves, bringing your joy and your hurt, your pride and your purpose, your suffering and your sorrow. Bring whatever it is that is on your plate and let us wrestle with it together. Let us be wrestlers with meaning and wrestlers with God here. Let us hold each other up when the suffering is too much to bear alone. And let us remember the joy that absolutely comes when we know ourselves and each other as the whole and holy and worthy people that we are. When we catch a glimpse, just for a moment even, of the beloved community that we long to create. May this be our work. May this be the wrestling match that we are each in as we demand a blessing, not just for ourselves, but for our world. May it be so. Amen.